as we think about the promises of God, we realize that um, this book, the word of the living God, this is the word of God. We realize that it's full of promises to claim, of commands to obey, of principles to live by. But we're focusing on the promises of God. The Bible says that all the promises of God in 2 Corinthians 1, 20, all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. I mean, God in his son has given us promises and in him they are yes and amen. One of the, Abraham is called the father of the faithful, the father of faith. I want you just to listen to what it says about Abraham and how he believed the promises of God, how he just believed them. You you remember the promise God gave to Abraham that through his seed, he was going to bless the earth with multitudes of descendants. And at that time, Abraham did not have an heir, but God promised him. He said, Abraham, your descendants are going to be as the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. Of course, Abraham at that time was around 100 and his wife around that age. But God promised him. And I want you to listen to what it says about Abraham. Now, how he, the father of faith, believed the promises of God. In verse 18 of Romans 4, you don't need to turn, just listen. says about Abraham, who contrary to hope, in other words, there was no reason for him to hope that his age he and Sarah could have a child. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed that he might become the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now listen to this. So he being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. He didn't look at his circumstances since he was about 100 years old. He didn't even consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. I love this. He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief. Wow. How many times has God given you and me a promise? And our circumstances says that'll never happen. That'll never come to pass. It won't be. And we stagger at the God, the promises of God through unbelief. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And this is where we need to live, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he would perform. Man, all the promises of God. We don't need to let circumstances rob us of God's promises. And man, we need to be fully persuaded that what God has promised, promised he will perform today we're going to look at the promises of God about prayer all the promises that God has given us concerning prayer and and how vital they are to us in our everyday life I, I say this with deep conviction that prayer is the most powerful force in this world because prayer can do anything God can do 
And as we look at God's promises about prayer and how he is faithful to answer, certainly today we're going to be encouraged to enlarge our prayer life. I want you to go ahead and turn your, open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. I'll be getting there later on in the message. But I want us to look at the promises of God concerning prayer. First of all, the promises of God concerning prayer in the Old Testament. There are just two promises I'm going to take out. I could take hundreds out of the Old Testament. But you know one of the great promises of God about prayer? His answer to prayer is Jeremiah 33.3. How many times have we said, all right, Lord, this is what you said. What a promise. Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not. Man, you can't get any clearer than that. He said, just call on me. I'll answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things which you know not. What a promise from God. And then the one that we are focusing on is we're praying for personal revival and revival for the nation. He said, if, and for the body of Christ, if my people who will call, are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, the promise, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Thank God for the promises of God to answer prayer in the Old Testament. But man, then you get to the New Testament. And I, I, just, wanna, I, I just wanna give you six promises of Jesus. I mean six of Jesus, just from the words of the mouth of the Savior about his willingness and his faithfulness in answering prayer. John chapter 14, you don't need to turn there. I'm just going to be moving quickly. In John 14, verse 13, now listen to the promise of Jesus about how God will answer us when we pray. He says in John 14, 13, whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in his Son. You know, praying in the name of Jesus it's more than, than just saying, in Jesus' name I pray. Oh, no, no. Praying in the name of Jesus is praying in submission to his lordship and in submission to his authority and praying that every prayer that you pray will be an answer to the glorifying of Jesus Christ on this earth. But it is praying in Jesus' name and in submission to him that gives us access into the throne room of God through the blood of Christ. But he says... Whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, he says it again. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I mean, that's a promise. John 15, verse 16, I want you to listen to what Jesus said. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do it. You know, when I get down to pray, and I pray in submission to the Lord Jesus and wanting his name to be glorified, his kingdom to come. Man, when you pray in Jesus' name, I'm telling you there are the promises of God. He said over and over again, you ask in my name, and I will answer, and I will do it. There are six promises of Jesus concerning answered prayer. You go back to Matthew 
chapter 7, verse 7. Just listen. You can look it up later. Ask. And it will, this is Jesus now. He's telling us to ask. He said, ask. It will be given to you. Seek. You will find. Knock. It will be open to you. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And he who knocks to him, it will be open. Then he talks about how he's faithful to answer prayer. He says, what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if his son asks for a fish, he will give him a serpent. Now listen to what he says. If you being evil, know how to give, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to him that ask him? I mean, Jesus said, listen, keep on asking, keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. God is going to give good things to those that ask him. In chapter 21 of Matthew, another promise of Jesus concerning the answer of prayer. Man, we've got promises to stand on. In Matthew 21, verse 22, I want you to notice what Jesus said. He's talking about he had spoken to a fig tree. And the fig tree had been barren. And Jesus just passed by and said, that fig tree will never bear any fruit again. Then he and the disciples come back by the fig tree. And and verse 20, and when the disciples saw it, they marveled saying, how did that fig tree wither away so soon? Jesus answered and said to them, assuredly, I say to you, you got any mountains in your life? I want you to listen to this. Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only Do what is done to this fig tree, but you will say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and it will be done. Now here's the promise. And whatever you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Well, I I understand that. He said, oh yeah, you you saw me just say that a fig tree wasn't going to have any more fruit and it withered. He said, I'm going to tell you something, man, you just believe me. You just trust me and the mountains in your life. You can speak to them because he said, I want to tell you something. Whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Man, I've never seen so many promises in my life concerning this matter of prayer. In Matthew 26, verse 41, Jesus gives us another promise concerning a prayer. He says, you you say, well, Brother Fred, I'm dealing with temptation. Seems like I'm facing temptation everywhere I go. I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. He said, you pray, you're going to overcome temptation. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. But there's one other promise of Jesus about prayer that I want you to listen. You know what he tells us? Now hear me. He gives us a promise. He said, if you'll pray and not give up, if you'll pray and not faint, God will avenge his elect and God will do what you ask him to do. And if this is the great story, I love it. It's it's about the widow lady who who, uh, went to the judge trying to get justice. So let me just read it to you. Now, Now, this is a promise from Jesus about be persistent persevere in prayer. Don't faint. He says in Luke 18, one, he spoke a parable to them that men, women ought always to pray. 
Did you hear Jesus? Ought always to pray and not to give up. There was in our lose heart. There was in a certain city a judge who did not regard man, regard God, nor man. Now there was a widow in that city. And she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest she continually come in, by continually coming, she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what that unjust judge said. This is Jesus. Shall not God avenge his own elect? Now listen, you've been praying, you've been crying out to God, you've been believing, but nothing's happened. But he said, now listen, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Keep going to God with that petition. Keep thanking God that he hears you. Keep thanking God. You're praying for your son. Keep calling his name to the Lord. Keep thanking God that he's hearing him and thank God, thanking God that he's going to do it. You're praying about that situation financially. Keep going to God. Keep crying out. Keep thanking God that he's going to do it. Whatever it is, you, you've gotten weary and the enemy's trying to cause you to lose heart. Jesus said, don't do that. Don't do that. He goes on and says, Shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears with them long? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. In an instant, God will answer them. Nevertheless, now listen to this. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He said, the, the problem is not that God will hear you and answer you. The problem is, that though there seems to be delay, that, that this is just not going to happen. And you begin to lose heart. He said, no, let me tell you something. God will answer. And the problem is not if God will answer. The problem is if you'll keep believing God and thanking God till the answer comes. Will he find faith in your heart when he comes? So that's just the promises of God, promises of Jesus concerning answered prayer. Now, let me move on quickly and say this. Not only are the promises of God concerning answered prayer, there's the priority of prayer in the church and in individual lives. Now, here's where our problem is. We try to work it out ourselves. We have forgotten that the key to God acting and moving in our life and in our church is as we pray, God answers. I want you to know that prayer was the priority in the church in the New Testament. I mean, the church in the New Testament was a praying church. In fact, remember what Jesus said? My house shall be called a house of prayer. You know, we sing and God wants us to sing and we preach and God wants us to preach. But he also said his house would be called a house of a prayer. Is that not a priority among the people of God? You remember the church, they baptized 3,000 people there on Pentecost. The church got large. The, the apostles, the disciples couldn't minister to them. And so they elected six deacons in Acts chapter 6. And this is what they said. It is not so that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So let's look at seven men of honest report full of the Holy Spirit that we may appoint over this ministry. Now listen to what they said. And we will give ourselves continually to prayer 
and to the ministry of the word. The apostles, the disciples said, listen, every need needs to be met. But I am telling you, as spiritual leaders in this, we're going to give ourselves continuously to prayer and the ministry of the word. Which is simply saying that in the early church, prayer was an absolute priority. The church moved forward on his knees. You read the book of Acts. They prayed and God acted. They prayed and God acted. And I'm telling you, prayer was a priority in the early church. I love the description of the first church. It was a New Testament church. It says, and they gave themselves. Now, this is right after Pentecost. They gave themselves to the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. What a picture of the early church. They were giving themselves to what they believed. They were fellowshipping around Jesus and uh, apostles' doctrine, fellowship. They were worshiping and praying. Folks, now listen, listen. Seems like churches do to do everything today except pray. You know, we're smart enough, big enough, wise enough. Man, we can work it out. We know the latest gimmicks. We know the latest merchandising. We know the latest pro. Hey, no, no, listen to me. I want to tell you something. God will not move in a church unless that church is a praying church. Why do we have warriors on the wall? Why do we want as many people as they can to take one hour and to pray over that prayer list and to pray for this church and to pray for this city? Because I am telling you, the church moves forward on its needs. You can trace every movement of God to a praying people who prayed and God opened heaven and poured out his mercy and his grace. Prayer was a priority in the early church. But I want to tell you something. If I had nothing else, if I just had the life of Jesus... I would know that above everything, Jesus was a man of prayer. Oh, yes. I never minimize his teachings and his miracles, but everything he did came out of his prayer life. You know, I, I, know, I, I remember a few years ago when I saw that the whole pattern of Jesus' life was one of prayer. He's just getting started in his ministry. Now, I want you to listen to this. He was just getting started. His public ministry, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Listen to what it says. And Jesus, arising a great while before day, departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Mark says, let me give you a snapshot of Jesus. He just now become known publicly, but he goes off in the morning by himself, and he's praying. A year and a half passed. And Jesus now is in the middle of his ministry, and he has just performed his most public miracle. He had fed 5,000 men with five, and five loaves and two fish. He just performed his greatest miracle in Matthew 14, verse 23. Now, I want you to listen. This is the middle of his ministry. And he sent the multitudes away, and he went up into a mountain alone. And there he prayed. And when evening came, you know why that's in there? Mark said, look at him. In the beginning of his ministry, he's praying. Look at him a year and a half. Man, you talk about the, the crowds, the fame, and right in the middle of his ministry. He says he went into a mountain alone, and he prayed. Then you get Jesus as he's on the way to the cross. He's on the way to the cross, and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he takes Peter, James, and John, and says, now y'all stay here, and you pray. And Jesus here at the end of his ministry, facing the cross, goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, and in one of the Gospels it says, and he fell on his face, 
and prayed. Now, I want to ask you something. If prayer was that important to Jesus, he's the son of man, full of the Holy Spirit, without sin. If prayer was so important to Jesus, why is it not important to us? Why, why in the world does the church and individuals depend on everything but a praying heart? Listen, if prayer was that important to Jesus, it ought to be ten times more important to you and to me. And then we see Jesus today. You know what he's doing? He's in a ministry of prayer today. Hebrews chapter 7 says, Because he ever lives, he has an unchangeable priesthood. And it says about Jesus, he ever lives. Now get this, to make intercession for the saints. Did you know Jesus is praying for you? You're a child of God. He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. He's standing in the gap for you. That's why you're in this place today. That's why the hand of God is still upon you. He ever lives to make intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Not only is this book full of, of the promises of God about God's faithfulness to answer prayer. This book is full of the fact that prayer is to be a priority in the life of a child of God. Now, I want you to look in Philippians with me in the fourth chapter. Recently, the Lord showed me something that, I, that I'm living by every day. I'm living by it every day. This is what are the markers that I'm walking in every day of my life. In Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse, nine, verse 5, there are some powerful pr principles here. And I'm going to tell you what it is this. Now, I want you to hear me. Prayer brings the peace of God into your life. And peace of God brings physical and emotional healing did you know that they're talking about how this person why one person lives longer and another person lives longer but I'm, I'm you've got a promise here <laughs> that as you pray that the as you pray that it brings the peace of God into your life and that as the peace of God becomes a reality in your life that there's physical and mental healing that come as a result of the peace of God now, now you've got to understand that um, prayer is so powerful, not only in what it does on God's end, but what God does in our hearts when we pray. I want you to look at these. I think there are five or six things. First of all, I want you to look at verse 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Make it your principle. Make it your pattern that you rejoice in the Lord. You get up in the morning, and there you don't have a lot of answers. And you don't know exactly how everything's going to work out. You may be going through some doubt in your life and some confusion in your life. You may be going through a trial in your life. It may be that you're just right now experiencing unbelievable blessings. But I want to tell you, here it is. You rejoice in the Lord. You say, I can't rejoice in my circumstances. You can rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, he said, in case you didn't hear me, rejoice. So you, you just live rejoicing in God's presence, rejoicing in God's provision, rejoicing in all the blessing. Just rejoice in him. Rejoice in him. Then, then look at the next thing. Not only rejoice in him, but you just be aware, realize that he's present. I love this. Don't miss verse 5. 
Let your gentleness, another word for there is forbearance or self-control. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Wait a minute. You know what you're, how you're living? Some of us are living like he's up there and we're down here. You missed it. You missed it. He said, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness, your perseverance, your self-control be known because the Lord is at hand. Wow. You're right here, Jesus. You're right here. Man, you're right here. I mean, all I need to know today is that you're at hand. I mean, so therefore, man, I can walk with confidence and with faith. And because you're at hand, Jesus. You're not way over yonder, and I'm over here, and you've forgotten me. You're at hand. I mean, what else do I need to know other than your presence? Now, you get to the heart of it. This is where prayer comes in. Notice what he says. Man, I'm, I'm living by this every day. This is exactly where I'm going to walk. I refuse to walk anywhere else. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness, self-control, perseverance be known unto all men. Because, hey, the Lord is at hand. But now, here it comes. Look at verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by, somebody say the word, what? Prayer. Don't you worry. Don't you fret. Don't you be anxious. Pray. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, that's petition, crying out to God. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. All right, I want you to notice. First of all, he says, don't worry. I guarantee you this is where you're living. In your circumstances, good or bad, where you are in your walk every day, you're doing one or two things. You are worrying or you are praying. And I want to ask you, what are you doing? Are you worrying or are you praying? Well, I've got concerns, Brother Fred. Everybody in this room has concerns. Concerns lead to prayer. I got burdens. Burdens lead to prayer. Let me tell you something. If you let your concerns lead you to worry, that is the exact opposite of faith. So listen, he knows you're going to have concerns. He knows you're going to have challenges. He knows there are going to be mountains. He said, but yes, I want to make it clear to you, don't you worry. Don't worry. He said, don't do that. Pray. Don't worry. Pray. But come on. And I just want to ask you, are you what are you doing? Are you worrying? Are you praying? Man, I, I could get a thousand things on my mind and worry about them. I refuse it in the name of Jesus because I'll tell you what, worry is a dead-end street and prayer opens the heavens of the living God. He said, don't you worry. He said, I want you to pray. But listen how he told us to pray. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. Well, I'm just going to pray about the big things, Pastor. Well, then you'll mess up. What about the little things? What about every little deed? What about all those things in your life that seem insignificant? See, if you don't pray about the little things, they become big things. You know, the verse that is, I think, if we'll just get a hold of it and, and, and live by it, it, it'll absolutely lead us into a deeper prayer life. And it's the verse in 1 Thessalonians where it says, chapter 5, pray without ceasing. 
Now, that, that, now, why am I saying that? It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything. Now, you know what everything is? It's everything. So if I'm going to be not going to worry and I'm going to pray about everything, now the key is praying without ceasing. Now, let me tell you what that means. It doesn't mean that you're always thinking a prayer, and it doesn't mean you're always saying a prayer. But this is what it means, and it is liberating. It'll absolutely lift you above all that goes on around you. I am telling you, praying without ceasing means that you live in an atmosphere of prayer. You get up in the morning, and the air you breathe, and the cloud that covers you is an atmosphere and a cloud of prayer. Good things happen to you, and you find yourself just praying thanking God, rejoicing in all those good things. You find yourself responding just by praying and saying, God, you're so good. I know this is from your hand. I thank you and I praise you. Oh, but you know, also you get up and bad things happen. Everything that can go wrong goes wrong. Everything at work can, can mess up. Everything at school. But you know what you do? You do the same thing when everything goes well. Now you've got all these problems on your plate. Before you had all these blessings and you just prayed. And now you've got all these problems. So what do you do? You pray. You pray. You say, well, Lord, you, you, this didn't catch you by surprise. Hey, by the way, you're at hand. You're at hand. You knew this was going to happen at work. You knew that. So now, Lord, I want to put it in your hands, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you will absolutely work here and let Christ come out of me. Let me tell you something. He didn't say pray about the crisis. Well, I've got a bad disease, and I better pray. No, 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 no. Whatever your need is, wherever you are, it says in everything. By prayer and stuff. So, you, you, you pray without saying, you pray about everything. So it says, rejoice. He says, the Lord is at hand. Don't worry. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Thank God for the answer before it ever comes. Easy to thank God when the answer's already there. Lord, you know I've been praying for my son, and instead of getting closer to God, he's getting further away from God. But you've heard my prayer, and I believe in the name of Jesus that he is coming to you. I confess that. I claim that in Jesus' name, and I refuse to let unbelief rob me. Lord, you know I've been praying about that situation at work, and the more I pray, the worse it seems to get. But, Lord, I want you to know that I want to thank you that you are at work and you are going to resolve it, and I give you the praise and the glory. Lord, I've been worrying about that financial situation, but, God, I know even though I don't see that job, I know you're working, and I know you're not going to forsake me, and I praise you, O oh God, for the answer to that prayer. And what you do before you ever have the answer in your hand, you thank God for the answer that is on the way. That's what it says. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, everything, by prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God. It says, you, you pray with thanksgiving. You pray with thanksgiving. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Bart, now listen to this. Okay, you don't worry. You pray. You pray over everything. And you pray with thanksgiving. Are you listening now? You pray specifically. Listen to what it said. Finally, it says here. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, don't worry, pray, but in everything by prayer and supplication, cry out to God with thanksgiving, Lord, you're answering, let your request, 
be made known to God. Pray specifically. Lord, bless me. Well, what did you have in mind? Lord, just let no. What did you have in mind? Lord, move. Well, where do you want me to move? Lord, act. He said, well, where do you want me to act? I mean, would you be a little more specific? You say, well, he already knows, but he wants to be sure that you know and that you're praying the way he wants you to pray. You need to pray specifically. It's not too small for you to pray about. It's not too big for you to pray about. Do you understand? Listen, this, this brings the peace of God in us. Man, we're rejoicing in the Lord. We're, we're praising God that he is at hand, and we refuse to worry. We're praying about everything, good and bad. We're just praying about it, and, and, and we're praying with thanksgiving, and we're being specific about what we want God to do. Let your request be made known to God. Now look at the promise. Are you ready? And the peace of God. The peace of God. I have rejoiced in the Lord. Everything around me is messed up. Everything that's nailed down has done come loose. I mean that I am living in a, a storm. But I am rejoicing in the Lord, and the Lord is at hand, and I refuse to worry. I am praying. I'm going against my emotions. I am praying, and I am praying uh, with thanksgiving. I'm praying with thanksgiving, and I am specifically letting God know where I'm at and what my needs are and what I'm asking for. I'm doing that. And he said, you know what happens? The peace of God which passes human understanding. Lord, I've got such peace. Where in the world did this come from? Lord, there's no way I should have peace. Everybody around me is falling apart. Everybody around me is throwing in the towel. Everybody around me is full of despair. But God, you know, where is this? What, what is this stuff, Lord? He said, I'm going to tell you something. When you pray and you trust God and you believe God and you cry out to God with thanksgiving, he said, my peace, which passes all understanding, there's no way to humanly understand it. You have to experience it. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart. Well, you know what? I, that may be your spiritual heart, but I believe it'll guard your physical heart. Because if you worry, you're a heart attack waiting to happen. <laughs> well, I'm going to worry myself to death. Oh, you really are going to worry yourself to death. He said, you pray and trust God, and the peace of God will guard your heart. But guess what else it says? And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your mind. Can I make a statement? Boy, I'm telling you, I thank God for the mind. I praise God for it. But it can be a blessing or it can be, it can be a battle. Man, all these fears, all these worries, all these concerns, so much coming into our mind. My heavens. It, you know, I wish we could just turn, turn it off. No, I guess not. But if you could just switch it off and all that stuff that's going on in your mind would just wait. I'm, time out. I'm cutting it off. No. But I'll tell you what God said he'd do. He'll guard your mind. He'll guard it. He'll give you mental health. He'll give you mental stability. And your mind flows right down to your emotions. You know why I believe that? It says here, don't you worry, you pray. And you pray specifically. And you pray with thanksgiving. And you thank God that he's hearing you and answering you. And as you do that, he said, I'm telling you, God's peace is going to flood your heart. The peace of God. And it's going to guard your heart. And it's going to guard your mind. 
through Christ Jesus. Man, the power of prayer. It works. I'm telling you it works. My mind can be racing. It can be a thousand concerns, a thousand fears, a thousand things I don't understand. But I tell you, you begin to pray and cry out to God and thank God and trust God and praise him that he's at hand. I promise you the peace of God will overrule and it'll calm your mind down. Your mind will not be like a roaring sea. It'll be like a peace, calm lake. Because of the peace of God. But there's one other thing that God added to this deal that I'm walking in right now. Rejoicing in the Lord, thanking him that he is at hand, refusing to worry, but praying and crying out to God with thanksgiving, being specific, and then just experiencing God's peace. I mean, it's just experiencing God's peace. And, and, but now look at the next verse. You're going to think that's got nothing to do with prayer. It's got everything to do with it. Now, don't miss verse 8. He says, now, don't let your thoughts rob you of God's peace. You see, we'll pray. We'll trust God. The peace of God will come in. And then that little thought will try to come into our mind. And this little thought. So he says, let me tell you something you better do. You better don't, don't let your thoughts rob you now of the peace of God. Look at the next verse. Here it is. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is of a good report, think about these things. I'll get through praying. God's peace is there. I know it's settled. Maybe the answer's not in my hand. Maybe it's a while, but I'm just, man, I got peace. But then these old thoughts will start coming into my mind, trying to rob me of the peace of God. So I say, wait a minute now, time out. Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it a good, is it a good report? Is there any virtue in it? If there's any praise in it, 90% of the time, it's the enemy, even in my flesh or whatever, trying to rob me of the peace of God. I said, well, no. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. If it is not true, and, and if, if it is not uh, honorable, and if it's not right, and if it's not pure, and if it's not lovely, and if it's not of a good report, if there's not anything praiseworthy, then I'm not going to think about it. Why should you let any thought that doesn't meet that test go into your mind? Why should you? It'll rob you. Hey, he didn't put that verse on there just to tack it on. Because he knew that after you'd prayed, and after you'd cried out to God, and after the peace of God was there, he knew that the enemy, maybe even your unrenewed mind or flesh, would try to put things in your mind that weren't true, and weren't honorable, and weren't right, and weren't of good report, and they weren't pure, and they weren't lovely. And before long, if you let those thoughts come in and you receive them, you go right back down into the hole that God just brought you out of. I encourage you to commit Philippians 4, verses 5 and following to memory. And just get up every day and get alone with God. Brother Ed saying, 
The Lord said, I miss my time with you. You're too busy. Get alone and just say, God, I want to rejoice in you. Lord, you're at hand. I'm not down here alone. You live in me and you're at hand, Lord. And so God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I cast out all worry. And I pray, I pray, Lord, over everything good and bad. And I pray, and I pray with thanksgiving, Lord. And I want you to know I'm praying with thanksgiving. And I'm being specific. And God, you hear and you answer. It may be now, it may be tomorrow. And God, I want to thank you for your peace. And Lord, I want you to know, I ain't going to let no thought come in here and rob me of the peace that you've given me because I've spent my time with you in prayer. I'm telling you, prayer is powerful. I believe every Christian moves forward on his knees. We move forward on our knees. And I encourage you above everything to follow the pattern of Jesus and let prayer be a priority in your life.